Hello, my name is Jason Reichel, and you're listening to Risk Management Brick by Brick. I'm fascinated with people who are helping build and maintain the physical world around us. On each episode of this podcast, we'll dive in with a risk manager, speak to them about how technology plays a role in this process. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Marty Smuin, the CEO of Arturo. Arturo analyzes property insights to support insurers and protect their customers. Marty has over 25 years of experience in executive management, focusing on tech companies, working within airspace, telecoms, and health. This is a great use case on seeing a problem and going after it. Let's get to the interview. Hey, Marty, thanks for joining me on Brick by Brick. I'm really excited to have you today. We just all got back from ITC. I'm still talking to a lot of technologists around interesting things happening in the industry. Before we get started, why don't you give me a little bit about your background and how you ended up as a CEO of Arturo? Yeah, so uh, I've been in tech for a long time, from the early days of e-commerce through the early days of wireless uh, telecommunications, on up through some of the uh, more modern stuff we're all talking about, like the whole world of automation for cars, drones, or whatever. So I've, I've, I've quite a broad experience, but I came into the position I'm in now just recently, three months ago, after serving for the board on two years because we we had a bit of a change in the company and it was just an incredible opportunity, so I jumped at it. What kind of industries do you guys focus on and what are you doing within those industries? So we focus on insurance and we provide a significant amount of clarity around property, past, present, and future of property. And we do that by using our platform to evaluate images. Most of these images are either from satellite or if they're from airplane, balloon, or drone. But we have, uh, our platform has the ability to go in and pull attributes and characteristics, a lot of attributes and a lot of characteristics from the actual image that helps along the entire life cycle of insurance from risk assessment, underwriting, fraud detection, all the way through to the claim side. That's really interesting. So what are some of those indicators or attributes in the market today that are concerning or interesting that kind of sheds a light into the importance of, of technology like this being deployed in the insurance industry? Assessing the risk up front is becoming more and more important. It's just not because of climate change or, I mean, it's, it's it, it has a lot to do with uh, being able to determine up front what is the uh, the condition of a residential home, for example, or a commercial building. If you're underwriting a policy or if you're a mortgage lender and you're writing a loan against that property, you have to look at two aspects, worst case scenarios. What happens if there's complete destruction or what happens if you have to take that asset back? What can you do with it? So assigning a risk to that upfront is, is key. So what we do is we come in and we pull 170 attributes, 90 characteristics from any uh, residential house, for example. Roof, roof slope, condition of the roof, what's it made out of? Is there a trampoline, a swimming pool, air conditioning? You know, what kind of vegetation do they have around the house? Is there overhang of trees which might present a problem? What's the fire risk? What's the fire damage? Is it in an area that might be subject to flooding? I mean, all of these things, we do use a lot of machine learning for this, but all of these things go into the assessment of risk for that property and a whole lot more. But using technology in this case, we can assign us a risk score. We can look at a, the condition of the property and we can pull additional information to look at possible fire danger or the like. So there's a lot goes into that, but it's all 
to help reduce the risk at the beginning of the relationship as opposed to the end. I'll use the word awe-inspiring, you know, talking about these kind of technologies is even with 100 people deployed to the field, you would never be able to get these kind of level of insights into understanding what this looks like and have the clarity of non-judgmental aerial photography or whoever else your machine learning in the organization is getting these things. But what, what's really interesting is the doors this opens up for better premiums with insurance. It opens up better lending opportunities. It's just a massive amount of opportunity this opens up. Some risk managers in the, in the construction industry and others would ask about how is this going to shape and change what it means to say, do a construction project or be in the property management space. Like how can they leverage all this information to better understand and manage that risk? Well, so uh, we do have some customers uh, that are contractors, some customers that are land developers, and they will come to us and they'll want whatever information we could possibly provide from a surrounding area, right? Because so much of the surrounding area, the condition of the homes, the condition of the terrain, how well-maintained kept things are, I mean, it matters. It matters to these individuals because they're about to invest a lot of money in putting a subdivision or building a building in that area. Everything we do is geared towards automation. A minute ago, you mentioned they send hundreds. Let's take, for example, a hurricane comes through, a flood, a massive flood. It's a coastal region. The number one thing that any insurance company wants to do in, in that case is they're selling peace of mind, right? I mean, they're selling peace of mind. They want to make sure that they're taking care of their policyholder first and foremost. Well, we take blue sky data, the the everyday imagery, and we assess that. And then after an event, like a major event, uh, whether it's a fire that destroys 20 houses, 50 houses, or it's a hurricane that damages 2,000 houses, we then take the gray sky data, data that's collected after the fact, as soon as possible, and we overlay that so we can assess damage, so we can give an idea of the scope of damage. So policyholders can immediately start to receive benefit from their insurance company by way of, hey, we see that your house is completely destroyed and we're writing the whole thing off and we're going to settle your policy right now. So let's get started in rebuilding or it makes the process much faster, smoother. And you don't have to send out a hundred people to the field. That's the beauty of this, right? So you don't have to send a thousand people out to do the initial assessment. You don't have to send a thousand people out if there's an issue, you know, with some sort of natural disaster, you can actually use technology to give yourself a significant head start on assessing risk as well as taking care of the claim if something should happen. Yeah, I, I mean, underwriting the risk, it allows effective resources, a lower claim cost. So like when we're talking about this kind of things, you know, often I think it gets painted in this this look around, and I, and I love what you just said, because it gets painted in this look of, well, here's insurance companies figuring out how they can make an excuse to get out of paying claims. But in reality, this allows underwriters to write better policies from the very beginning. It, it really creates an informed outlook for the person buying insurance or for, for the project itself. It's, it's really fascinating how this technology is working. Jason, it also, it's along the life cycle. So fraud is a major reason why insurance policies are what they are, right? I mean, it's not just government policy, government regulations. I mean, there's a lot of fraud that goes on. And we have the capability of helping to detect some of that fraud. And, you know, an insurance company, they don't want to try to 
postponed payment. They don't want to try to make it difficult for the policyholder. They want to make it as streamlined as possible. As a matter of fact, I think in the next 12 months, you'll see uh, insurance companies, uh, when they renew policies, asking the policyholders to take uh, you know, technology like Planner and others and collect images from outside their house and inside their house so they can even make it more streamlined and more rapid as far as them being able to help you and settle a claim. But even you know, when you look at it up front, the, the risk side, someone's not going to come out and crawl on your roof and they're, you know, they, they come out and they'll do a light inspection. Well... You know, there's a lot of data out there that insurance companies now have access to, including the plethora of data that we provide to them to help offset that risk. But again, they're they're trying to to maximize the upfront piece so they can minimize the on on the claim side as far as taking time, people, bodies, et cetera. Yeah, let's take wildfire. I live in California. Let's take wildfire as an example, being able to measure the the safety zone around a house in a hundred as that's a hundred feet with no how with no trees or or no shrubs in that zone are something that people are doing and noticing that the organizations who the property owners who have used uh, systems and photographs to prove this get claims paid out if something happens much more quickly all of these kind of things as we see more risk emerge from climate change from all the plethora of things that are now facing us from a natural disaster front having that snapshot of an ever-changing environment must really inform how the future of building will look uh, the the world will look the physical world around us yeah and you know i'll address that but going back to something you just said a minute ago we can look and see how far vegetation is away from the house is it encroaching is it on top is there you know the debris filled etc that, what you mentioned, is actually very important because an insurance company can come to you and say, hey, Jason, if you were to remove these two trees or cut back the vegetation from your house, it would reduce your premiums by 10%, right? That creates this working relationship between policyholder and policy provider so they can work in tandem to reduce the risk of something happening to, to your home. So that was, a, that was actually a, a very good example that you used. But, you know, as far as the use of the policyholders data they collect and then very confidentially upload and you have that is going to be key moving forward because it will quicken the policy it will also reduce fraud and it will help the insurance company put you in touch with the right contractors etc to be able to replace whatever you need you know most houses aren't destroyed Maybe the kitchen catches on fire. And if they know that you have wolf appliances, you have Korean countertops, and you have engineered wood flooring, they can immediately start to work your claim right there. And they can start working with the contractors to get all that stuff reordered. It'll be a little bit before it's automated, but all very quickly, right? That's the beauty of the policyholder getting involved as well. Marty, what's the future for your organization look like? Where are you guys headed? Like, where does this ultimately go? How many industries are you guys tackling that this really makes a lot of sense for? So there's a direct, uh, you know, from an adjacent vertical perspective, I mean, banking and, and, and mortgage loans is huge. In real estate, being able to run an assessment on a property when it's listed through the MLS, I mean, these are massive. You know, if I'm buying a house, I would love to get a full report on my house. Now I can pay $500 and have somebody come look at it, but there's a lot more data out there that's available than just that. Like for example, we could provide. So what does the future look like for us? 
our platform, even though algorithmically we take and we pull massive amounts of data from an image, and it takes 300 milliseconds for us to pull this data. We also incorporate third-party data and publicly available data. The aggregation of this data, accumulation aggregation of this data is fantastic because we can then take it in a very structured way. And this is the way the future has to go here. We then train, and we're doing this today, large language models that then be trained, be trained, and be trained in order to quicken the process of, let's say, for example, you have an insurance company that they do have a lot of policies in an area that has a fire ripped through it. Well, we've already trained the system to look for major changes in damage from fire, and so they can just immediately get all that information. But we are moving rapidly towards, and we're probably one of the very few companies that actually use what I would call deep learning, not quite AI, but deep learning. While we move into using a generative AI bottom layer, not ours, we'll use, we'll use the third party, and then putting software packages on top of that to help us process the data more rapidly so it doesn't have to be structured or labeled. That makes sense. So both taking this really structured approach that you guys have been building over time and then putting an unstructured front end so that these and other things that you guys are collecting can be accessed in ways that you guys, that quite frankly, that we don't even know yet today. Yeah. I mean, say for example, I mean, seismic activity, what is the drought condition? What kind of vegetation you have around your house? Now, all of that, like a lot of that's publicly available. Other, we have to do image recognition and we have to pull that. But regardless, we will have to put in data that's structured ultimately, but being able to pull it in and let the system structure it, that's the goal here, right? That's the goal because we don't want the system hallucinating at any point in time along the way. One of the things that we talk about on the podcast sometimes when we're talking about sort of really cutting edge technologies and, and use cases, which are not cutting edge, they're mandatory, right? In, in this changing world that we're in, they're mandatory use cases. But a lot of insurance companies pulled out of specific areas because of X, Y, or Z. The world must carry on. And so insurance companies are going to have to figure out how best to service those, those areas and effectively write policies in a way that is much more sophisticated than they do today. And it seems like your tool and understanding data in this way is going to be paramount in the future ability to write policies for underwriters, the ability for people to understand the risk that they're getting themselves into when they're taking on a, you know, a commercial construction project, as an example. Think of it like you buying a stock. I mean, if you're going to go buy a stock and everybody, you know, all, all of the data shows that that stock has been downgraded. The revenues are down, sales down, everything's going down and to the right. You're not going to invest in that, right? I mean, it's very similar to uh, any bank or insurance company because they're, they are betting on that house. And, you know, the worst case scenarios is, uh, you know, uh, Jason's home needs insurance. So you go online and you put, fill out a form and then, you know, three, Different companies come and they offer you some policies and then, you know, they've got to check a few more boxes. But the worst thing is if they have to replace your roof in 12 months, they will never make money on you. It was a bad investment up front and it's just not going to get better along the way. And that type of conditioning to a platform, a software system, it's being hardened now, right? And, and we, you know, predictive, yeah. I mean, I can tell you right now through our technology that a roof is not in great condition and 
I can also tell you two years from now when the policy has to be paid out by the insurance company that we said, oh, we didn't rate that roof very high in the first place. And a small hailstorm came through and just destroyed it, right? So there's markers, there's indicators along the way that that really help out. And those are getting stronger and stronger and stronger. It's It's absolutely a case of the more you know, the more you can know until you can become a bit predictive with it. How's the technology today being put into workflow? Is it being put into an underwriter's workflow today? Are you integrating with their current systems? How does all this data end up in the hands of your users? And who are those users like today? So right now we primarily deal with very large insurance companies. Tier two, tier three insurance companies are certainly making you know a, a, a move there. And they use our technology by building it into their systems, our data, which is all verified. That data is put into the system. The underwriter, if they're looking at an individual policy, they would pull up longitude, latitude, verify address, and they would go in and they would have a report automated that's done on that property. And they say, okay, everything looks pretty good. Now, the missing link here, again, to just 100% automate this is having the policyholder or potential policyholder have some data. Now, we can scrape MLS, right? Because odds are within the last seven years, that house has been for sale. So we can get that data. But if the policyholders uploaded, I mean, that's certainly a lot better, but that is integrated into the platform of the, of the insurance carrier. And it's used in the underwriting process by them taking and using various attributes and characteristics that we assign and saying, yeah, it's a good bet or it's not. One thing that a lot of times when I talk about technology, this kind, this kind of technology, these kind of data that really allow insurance organizations to get a better picture of what they're actually insuring it always leads to this conversation of is the future the big insurance companies or are we going to get into a position of niche insurance? Because also with all this technology opens up businesses who are willing to take more risks on a shorter term kind of thing than other organizations are. Are you seeing that the stat is also being used to find emerging markets for people as an example? Yeah. So I, I do think insurance is evolving, um, maybe a little bit like the healthcare field, right? There's so much information out there that would enable, you know, you've got companies like Hippo and others that are kind of these new entrants into the market. There is a lot of revolutionizing going on in the market. But when you look at the large insurance carriers, the USAAs, the state farms, the American families, the Gallagher's, I mean, these are huge insurance companies and they underwrite these properties, then they're backed and then they're backed and then they're backed. I mean, the whole ecosystem of insurance is, you know, at the end of the day, somebody has to pay if something happens. But, you know, will it be more communalized where a county comes in and collects a tax that then insures? You know, I think a lot of that's being looked at when you look at Florida, where a lot of uh, insurance companies are pulling out of because it's just too risky. It's just too risky. Well, you know, who's going to back that? I mean, does FEMA come in? I mean, who comes in and backs that? Well, you know, taxpayers come in and ultimately have to have to do something. So I think it, we're ripe for some nuance to come in, but I think we're more ripe for automation to come in to reduce the cost of providing the service, providing the product, so your margins can go up Right. We never talk about the waste of efficiency in the insurance industry itself. 
being partially why premiums have to be where they are at. It's huge. You know, legacy systems is one of the primary things that insurance carriers are trying to get out of their way, but it's very difficult, right? I mean, I was had a conversation at ITC actually with a senior executive from a large insurance company in North America. And uh, he was telling me that 35 years ago when he joined the carrier, they're still using a platform that was there 35 years ago. And whereas, you know, you go into some other countries, like for example, um, Australia, there's some very progressive insurance companies in Australia that actually, you know, they're putting the customer first, the digital communication between the customer and the provider. In the event that something happens, they know immediately because they're constantly monitoring each of their policies and they're there to put a warm blanket and to give a, a, a bit of a hug. But they're turning to the customer relationship as a major moat and point of differentiation, along with the very exciting automation that's going on. And we're going to see that. We're going to see that sea change here in North America. And it's happening now. Look at the spend of software and insurance companies. It's increasing. And through 2031, it's expected to triple. So that's promising. Yeah. And something like, you know, 90% of the big insurance companies have innovation firms trying to work on how to get closer to their customer. Not that I don't think there'll be a place for brokers or for all these other people in the in the future, but the getting closer to your customer and understanding that relationship is very critical to the future of insurance and the future of insurability. I, I definitely agree with that. You know, we have a lot of, you know, I started this podcast primarily as a tech person who got into insurance. And before that, I was a head of product and ran my own software companies. And we often sold technologies to technologists, right? Uh, sold technology to salespeople. We sold technology to marketers. Not really that hard of a technology sell. You get into something like this, it's a much more interesting legacy industry where when you're selling the technologies to these companies, it really feels like you're selling the future of what could be a very important element. And then I started facing that a lot of people within this organization had, there's a gap of young people coming into the organization out of school. So I started asking this question on the podcast, which is how would you convince a, a young person to come into the insurance industry? Why is it exciting? And what piece of advice would you give to them? Well, you know, I worked in Japan for, you know, uh, for Japanese company for quite a while. And one of the things I learned is that older, established, more traditional businesses, that's not a bad thing, right? It's not a bad thing. What is a bad thing is when companies cease to look at innovation as the major need and movement forward, as opposed to holding on to what's already there. I mean, you look at Japan. I mean, there's companies that are four or 500 years old and you look at how they look at how they bought. I mean, Sony, right? I mean, Toshiba, Mitsubishi. I mean, these are companies that make cars, blenders, they're everywhere, but they've embraced innovation. So how would I convince a young person to join one of these companies? Right now would be an unbelievable time for a, especially somebody who is involved in technology to join one of these companies. You know, you take um, American Family, for example, they have and a lot of them do, but uh, specifically these guys, they have an innovation team that's headed by a true technologist and to go in and work on where the company is going and you're not going to build it. You can acquire it. You can bring it in. You can rent it. You, I mean, however they're going to do it, but put the building blocks together. And that's exciting. And the great thing about coming into a big company like that is they have the funds 
to quicken their time to market. If I'm young in my career and I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm maybe I'm a little, a little different because I have this startup thing that I just can't get out of, out of the way, but it's stability with innovation and you don't have to sacrifice, you know, you don't have to sacrifice either. There are not many industries that you can really step into where there is that opportunity to innovate and have some de-risking happen behind the scenes. Not at the scale that I think this industry is going to experience over the next 10 years. Well, I wanted to thank you, Marty. I really appreciate talking to you. I think you guys are doing amazing things. You're definitely one of the organizations that I really wanted to talk to around how you're collecting all this data and and really changing the industry. I, I really feel like this is the future for underwriters and for insurance companies. And I really appreciate your time today. Thank you, Jason. Appreciate it. And good luck with the podcast. It's awesome. Risk Management Brick by Brick is brought to you by TrustLayer. Find out how TrustLayer manages risk so that the people can build the physical world around us. Head over to TrustLayer.io. And then make sure to subscribe to Risk Management Brick by Brick on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. On behalf of the TrustLayer team, thank you for listening.